Hello and welcome to the Frost Lockade podcast. I'm Graham and I'm here again with Alex. Hello. If you're attempting to be a regular listener to this podcast, I must apologize because it doesn't come out regularly and we just kind of do it when we feel like maybe next year in 2021, we'll try to be a bit more routine and come up with more of a formula for the podcast. But that's getting ahead of ourselves because the reason we're together now is to discuss what our favorite game of 2020 was. Game of the Year discussion, you might call it. And there's been a lot of games this year. Well, when I say that, I mean, there's been a lot of game playing <laughs> between the both of us. For me, more than any other year, I think. Generally speaking, we've avoided the elephant in the room of the, the lockdowns and the, the pandemic on Foss Arcade because we like to kind of just keep it evergreen and a, a place of just like relaxation and not thinking about current affairs. But yeah. when it comes to game of the year, inevitably there's going to be kind of an element of, of whatever's been going on, going on in any year. You know, without getting too far ahead, it has affected what you play and how you play it, I think. But we're not going to dwell on that. No, exactly. It might come up here and there, but we're not going to centre all around that. Definitely. No, it's an element of the discussion, but we don't want to put out a COVID podcast. So if you're trying to avoid that kind of thing, feel free to stick with us and listen. As with last year, uh, we're going to go in alphabetical order. Um, actually, last year, it was it was myself, Alex, and our music composer, Ben. But Ben isn't able to be on this podcast. Maybe I'll message him now and we'll find out what his game of the year is Ooh, at some point. That would be great discussion. to drop in. Yeah, He was supposed to be here, but wasn't able to at last minute. Why don't you go ahead, Alex, and, and fill me in, because I don't know what your oh. favourite game of the year was, and I'll just I'll send a message and we'll see if we get an update. Yes, a <laughs> live update. It makes the podcast very exciting for us as well. I want to start off by just talking about a couple of what, what, what I want to call honourable mentions. All right. Because it's very difficult, as, as I'm sure you know yourself, to say, this is my game of the year, and to just pick one in, in any year. It's just... Sometimes there is an absolute standout game, but sometimes mm. there are several that are just excellent. Well, and, it's been a particularly good year, yeah, especially on PlayStation, actually. Yeah. Um, so I want to start off with the Final Fantasy VII remake because mm. that was a huge release for me. And when I started thinking about this game of the year, it came out so early in the year that I actually thought it was last year. Um, <laughs> so, it's February, right? Yeah. So I had to actually sort of take a minute and think, oh, no, I, I played through that this year. And, you know, I played like 70 hours of it or something. So it took up a fair <laughs> bit of my time. Um, yeah. But I, I couldn't let this pass without bringing it up because it was an incredible game, uh, mm. a really worthy update to the original. Um, and it did some new and interesting things with the story. You weren't just playing through the game. You'd already played with better graphics and with a different fighting system. Um, they, they'd really upgraded everything. It's same with the music. They hadn't just played the same music or just just played it again with a larger orchestra or something. You know, there's so many differences. Recomposed it, yeah. Yeah. And, and there's new pieces of the story as well, isn't there? They've yeah. added that kind of stuff. So Yeah. It was just really um, excellent. And I, and I hope it doesn't fall off too many people's radars for the same reason as mine of, of kind of like, oh, yeah, that was, the, you know, this year. I know you've, like for yourself you haven't played it yet, and I hope that... Mm it is something that you do return to because it, it kind of can't be recommended enough in some ways. Um, and it just, it makes me incredibly excited for the next part that they release. Yeah. But I'm also like slightly saddened that we haven't heard any more about it for the rest of this year. Maybe that's just to do with, you know, what's going on, but mm. you would have thought that pretty hot on the heels of its release and its success because it was received so well 
that they would have said like here's a roadmap as people like to say of what's yeah. coming next and they haven't done anything really um i was really looking forward to it and i still look forward to playing it the reason i didn't play it this year is because i've i got stuck into dragon quest 11 uh, on the switch and i didn't want to um be doing two kind of similar sort of games i know yeah. they changed the combat for remake but still i didn't want to have kind of two two massive rpgs yeah yeah um so yeah so ff7 remake that was one quick um honorable mention and then the other one is the last of us part two i i played for it really quickly actually um for me i normally probably take quite a long time to finish a game but the narrative was so good in it you know it was like binging something on netflix or something like that you know you kind of get into it and rather than think well i'll, I'll try something else or I'll, I'll play this other game you, you thought oh, i'm really compelled to see this through and i need to see how it finishes mm. and i really enjoyed it and it was yeah i remember the time of me getting it that you you called it a murder simulator <laughs> that's always stuck with me um which i found very amusing kind um, of is like this like rambo-esque john wick style revenge story isn't it yeah and there's a lot of gutting and, and stabbing oh. and throttling and the most violent game i've, I've ever played exactly because and of the level of the graphics you're at the point now where it's it's more like any generation really of gaming but it becomes more visceral as you go on and on but i think uh, it's been a while since the game's come out and been recognized for its um realism especially when it comes to violence like that one was yeah. um but yeah having not played the first part i had no interest in picking up the second no and i don't know that i ever will because although i've gone through phases of enjoying narrative games i think the older i get the more gameplay focused i am i'm looking for kind of smaller stuff that slots in around life a lot more i mean i kind of want to with this just quickly touching on this game i kind of want to do a callback to last year's game of the year where i was talking about red dead 2 and um and what i found with the last of us part two because it's a linear structure it has the odds open world part but it's only a hub if you see what i mean you can right. you wander around almost doing missions and little side bits in a hub and then you move to another area that's quite linear um that i found that i got to experience everything that the game had to offer we get so many open world games now yes that it was refreshing to have a story driven linear experience and and you, it, when you finished it it was like closing a book you just thought i've done it and I've seen everything, you know, I've read every word or, you know, I've seen everything in this game for the most part and I can put it on the shelf now. And mm. that was that, that was nice. I think um, over the last generation, at least on console, the open world genre has just been the vogue. Like between all the Assassin's Creed and like Breath of the Wild, there's all these games which you could never really experience all of unless it became your main game. I feel like that fad or that, that fashion might come to an end if you want to make a huge game. It's actually better to make a game that's a bit smaller than an open world game that people won't see, or it doesn't have quite the same sheen as something like Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, I think you're right, and yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of the Assassin's Creed series, but you know when they're in the cycle of kind of doing one a year, mm. sometimes the new one comes out, and and I've I've not finished the old one, yeah. or certainly haven't seen enough of it, and 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 it's hard to go back as well sometimes, especially when they cross generations. Um, but yeah, so Last of Us Part 2, that's another mention. And then I'm going to go on to my game of the year, which is <gasps> Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, oh my God. I'm not surprised. No. <laughs> we just talked about how our open world games are yeah. sort of out of fashion 
At least in my opinion, maybe. <laughs> and this is my favourite one. <laughs> you can prove me wrong. <laughs> um, but I feel this was a different kind of open world game anyway um, mm. to a lot of them. It is more structured, isn't it? Because you start yeah. in like a smaller area and then the map opens up and all that kind of thing helps yeah. you to feel directed. And there aren't many kind of side missions, kind of collectible things, or the ones that there are all feel like part of the larger um, narrative. Mm, they tie back into your character development and stuff. Yeah. I've played 60 hours of it, but I haven't finished it yet, actually. Right. Yeah, you know, since going back to Assassin's Creed, um, I, everyone's always called out for an Assassin's Creed samurai uh, yeah. game. And we finally got it <laughs> from Sucker Punch instead. Yes. Um, and I don't feel that Assassin's Creed could ever do it any better than... The what soccer punch it's just it's to me it's it's pretty perfect for the genre it is um and you know i used to play a couple of series back on the playstation 2 i suppose maybe cross over to three slightly um do you remember tenchu Heard was, a bit, but not playing. yeah i played a couple of those and that was not really a it was more ninjas but, but similar kind of a time period and setting but that's the thing with ghost of Tsushima, isn't it that he's the main character is a samurai who's ethics are questioned yeah. deeply questioned and you do more of that ninja stuff as he becomes more conflicted yeah and i when i played it i haven't finished it either but the way that the the the, the story and the combat complemented each other so well um i think that's an element that other open world games like don't grasp like sometimes in an open world game you can steal or like kill npcs just for like for a laugh which is you know great but <laughs> In Go to Tsushima, it felt like everything you did, because he was conflicted on a story level, it meant that if you did do something that was a bit untoward in your combat, you could see, like, oh, this is going to have, like... It plays into his emotions. You feel like, oh, I am betraying my my oaths and all of that stuff. And that was really strong, and I, yeah, I enjoyed it for that. Yeah, I mean, this was something I was going to touch upon, was you the way you get to choose your play style. Um, because I think we probably did it slightly differently. I wanted to be a very honourable samurai so whenever i would be wandering around and going into a mission i'd do the odd stealthy bit but for the most part i'd um i'd call them out and get them to do standoffs mm. so i would use the samurai skills and the sword play more than i would go around sneak around assassinating people but what i loved was however you played it uh, the NPCs would react different, and the world would actually react different to you. All right. So, um, if you if you go around and and play more as the ghost, um, and and assassinate and uh, sneak in the shadows and things, the game it rains more in the game. Really, I haven't noticed so that. So it's just like yeah, yeah, it's more yeah. Dramatic it's just like a, because rain equals drama. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 it's just like a quirky thing, but. I, I didn't like it when it rained because the the game is so beautiful and mm. the colours are so nice and the and the sunsets and all these kind of things that if you if you play the ghost too much you, it's just overcast and it doesn't <laughs> look very nice. Um, it's not like completely all the time, but but it happens more often. I mean, you said it doesn't look nice as in it makes you feel yeah, dour, like, but it looks good anyway, yeah. like the graphically. It does look good, but uh, but it looks more beautiful when you've got those flowing grassy mm. fields in the sunshine. The HDR on this game was like, I always enjoyed HDR, especially when I played I played Horizon as Zero Dawn through again when I got a TV that could do HDR. But having Ghost of Tsushima, it really shows you like this is what that tech is for. Yeah, yeah, the changes in lighting through the HDR was just like incredible. It's blinding at some points as well. <laughs> yeah, to me that was like maybe the best part of the entire game. 
I mean, PS4 is probably going to go on another couple of years, but it feels as like one of the swan songs before the launch of the, of the 5. It really shows you the full arc of that console's development yeah. and how far we've come since it, it launched. It's really, really beautiful. That's exactly what I thought. It's kind of the pinnacle of the mm. PS4 era because the load times were also optimised yeah. really well. It was like so fast. It's almost as fast as the SSD and the PS5. Um, but yeah, another area of the game um, that I really liked was, and, and you don't get this so often in games, I, I find, is the storyline follows the fact that you're protecting your homeland from invasion mm. rather than casting out on an adventure somewhere and discovering new places or, yeah. or going behind enemy lines. You're protecting your own country from invaders. And even though you've you start the game in that you've, you obviously haven't lived in that world until the game begins and it's been invaded as you start you all that sense of invasion is really strong i thought well that's it you i love the fact that you go around and you'll go into people's houses and mm. they'll come up and thank you because they can see your samurai and you're protecting them um and they'll tell you things about the invaders or where they are and you you almost feel slightly comfortable at times because it it is your homeland and you've got those lovely fields and things. So you'll be wandering around on your horse and you'll see people in the distance, like people or soldiers you can't always tell. And as you get closer, you realise that they're the invaders. And and it's kind of like unsettling and uncomfortable to have the, mm. these people just wandering around because you kind of you feel a sense of ownership to the land. The, I think you're much much further through it than I am because I moved house in the middle of playing it. And then once the PS4 came back out, it was like I was kind of not in the, the zone of playing. I had to kind of pick up and remember. And I kind of didn't play it again until they released that free multiplayer, multiplayer. update, Ghost of Tsushima Legends, which was like, obviously it was planned before the game launched, um, but it released later on completely for free. And um, yeah, you wouldn't have thought it was free, or I guess <laughs> it was included in the, in the retail price, to be yeah. fair. Um, but you got enough value out of the main game. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you didn't feel shortchanged, did you, by not having that multiplayer mode at first? Yeah, it, it gives you a whole new bunch of combat styles, doesn't it? New like characters. Four playable characters. They all have their own um, skill trees and leveling systems. And the, the look of the game totally changes as well. It gives you like yeah. this mystic, like drenched red kind of look. It was just like fantastic. Yeah, we played through on quite a few evenings, and I, I feel that we saw a lot of what it had to offer. We've completed a lot of the missions, but there was a, a larger mode that we only dipped into. With... Survival mode, we didn't yeah. play much of. We did the structured stuff because yeah. you could do it co-op. It's all co-op. And it was, it was a lot of fun. I don't know. We might go back to it. I mean, if they add more content, I'm sure we would... I'd be willing to go back to it and, and pick up the characters we didn't play because with us being mm. you know, the two of us, we've got two other characters we didn't touch on and that might be really interesting. And now also, even though you know it's nice to have a break from it, going back to it, having done those missions before, knowing what to expect, we might be able to take to you know, implement some new strategies and some some different kind of cooperative mechanics that we didn't before. And I think for anyone who hasn't played it, that multiplayer mode or, or just given it a chance, if you like difficult games, it's really difficult. <laughs> and we struggled. There were there were several scenarios, but it made it fun that way. But there were several scenarios where we would just die like continuously until we came up with a some sort of winning strategy or mm. just fluke our way through <laughs> and i find that in the single player and the multiplayer it's the kind of game where death is not uh, a point of frustration so much it's a learning experience yeah. and you can try things several different ways and fail but still enjoy those experiences and 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 uh, you know it feels like you're developing your 
your skills along with the character quite strongly, and I really liked that. So mm. I should really go back and finish it. Yeah, same here. I've got to um, maybe, maybe use the, the holidays. Mm. So, uh, so yeah, that's my game of the year. It won the People's Choice Awards at the, the Jeff Keighley Game Awards, didn't it? So I think that's success enough that you can expect a PS5 re-release, if not a sequel. Yeah, I want a sequel. But I need to play the first <laughs> one. <laughs> so so what's been your, what's been your ga- year in gaming? Well, before we move on to mine, as I Ooh, said... Has Ben a- got back to Alphabets us? are important, and despite Ben not being here, he would still come after you if you were. So I've had some messages from him. He says his game of the year would have been, or is, Hydrogen Warriors Age of Calamity, which I think translates to Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. Oh! <laughs> I was just thinking, I don't know what this game is. I hope you've got some background with it, because I don't know Age if of I Kalani. can discuss this. Yeah. Uh, we have this running <laughs> joke, me and Ben, that our phones don't like the word Hyrule, so no. when we type it, we just leave it as whatever... So today it's Hydrogen Warriors. But yeah, I've not played um, Hyrule Warriors, Age of Clammy. But um, he says... Oh no, the rest of his messages is about something else. <laughs> we're, we're both waiting for our Astro City minis to come in the post, um, yeah. which you can, we'll be able to see on Boss Lock AG channel at some point. Um, but yeah, he's talking about that, not... Um, not why he thinks so of the game. But yeah, I've played the original Hyrule Warriors, which was released on Wii U and 3DS and Switch. I've got the Wii U version, and I I really, really love it. And I will get Age of Calamity at some point. I've heard some things about the narrative not being particularly strong, but with the first one they did, the narrative was not the the draw. It was the idea of getting to play as different Zelda characters, like in this Mushu um, experience, this kind of Dynasty Warriors um, thing. Uh, and the first one was great. So I think when, when I eventually get to Calamity, I, even if the story's not that good, I'll probably really enjoy it. And and you didn't play the first Horror Warriors, did you? No. And I wasn't... I remember when it came out that I wasn't that kind of attracted to it. Mm. It looked good. Um, but nothing made me feel, I really want to play that. But but Age of, of Calamity, actually, I've, I've really liked what I've seen. Yeah. Um, so I think it will be one I... I check out in the future. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'll wait until there's kind of a solid release date for Breath of the Wild Two as a nice yeah. build up and kind of excitement builder to that. Yeah, refresh me with with Breath of the Wild. Although I need you to come around and help me finish, finish that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. Um, yeah, I think I might get Age of Calamity after Christmas, depending on on what my gaming schedule looks like. Something else I would like to talk about on the podcast at some point is how do you deal with like backlogs and front logs and like game collections in general, but that's a talk for another time. But yeah. it's something that I, I think, think we especially... need Ben. Yes, we need Ben. There's a three way a three way conversation there. To tell us what we're doing wrong, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what you need to do is just play Breath of the Wild and nothing else. Because that's pretty much yeah. what, I, what he seems to, to do. But speaking for myself, in terms of honourable mentions, I don't really have any, which I think is um Implicit of the kind of year I've had with gaming generally, like we talked about, we've had more time to game in in theory, but I also have been moving house and and dealing with a new job and um, all that stuff's been very enjoyable, but it's meant that when I've been gaming, I've wanted to just relax. And that's also why I mentioned that narrative games seem to be appealing to me less because while I've enjoyed plenty of TV shows and movies this year, don't get me wrong, the idea of a, you know, 60, 70 hour narrative just hasn't been filling me with, with no. joy as such. 
Uh, it's a lot to commit to, especially when you feel like you you might get pulled away to, to decorate a room or something and then not play it for a month sort of thing. We've so actually done... A- sorry, I was going to say, we, we've actually done as well, I feel we've done more online gaming this year with yeah. each other. And and that followed that same same pattern, really, that we I think we both have in parts as well wanted just some casual games like um, Four Guys and... Star Wars Squadrons we've played a lot of um, because you can mm. just hop in it and you can chat, have a bit of a laugh. Yeah, I'll mention um, those just briefly actually because we did play a lot of Fall Guys when that kind of became the sort of social media darling for a month. Yeah. We played it obsessively. Like there were times where I was playing it before work on my lunch hour <laughs> and then after work with you because it was just like so good. And then... Um, when they did the season two, because it's like attempting to be a sort of living game, it didn't really recapture the, its original impact, I don't feel. Like we both had the kind of same opinion that the, the new stages weren't bad. But yeah, it's interesting how a game can offer you more and then actually be be less than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Although saying that, um, we've had an absolute blast. It's There's, there's nothing like um, winning uh, Fall Guys this year. And also... I mean, it's almost better when you're watching your friend and then 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 you win when I've already kind of been eliminated and I guess he gets the final. Yeah. Um, and squadrons, I got that primarily for the VR experience because I was, um, a few years ago they released the first Star Wars Battlefront and EA put in like a, a VR demo for one X-wing stage, mm. and then it was just like this drought of years of where is the the X-wing VR game, and it finally came along at a budget price, which was great. And it hasn't been stuffed full of kind of unwanted DLC or microtransactions at this point either, which is really, really good. And I love the the multiplayer. But um, I didn't find the single player to be that enjoyable overall. Like The preliminary missions are strong, where they're teaching you how to play and fly, and the story's quite good. But then the later missions become very repetitive to the point where it felt like the only way they could increase the difficulty of the game was to make the missions long and arduous. Don't you find it? Um, don't you find it interesting though? The point that with Battlefront One, you know, they didn't do a single player, and there was such an outcry that they put one yeah. in for Battlefront Two, and then probably also following on from that, they included one with Squadrons, mm. and it kind of maybe it's kind of highlighting that actually, do they need a single player with these multiplayer games? Because I think what they need is to to get some people in, involved who really want and know how to develop a single player mm. mode because i'm not i don't want to like shit on squadrons because it's, it's it's a really great game but it did feel like you're saying like the single player was there because they felt it was expected yeah. whereas maybe there wasn't really any creative drive behind it particularly um so maybe that's the the problem yeah i think had they just had those first few missions with the tutorials and the multiplayer that probably would have been enough they maybe could have sold it even a little bit cheaper and got yeah. away with that but either way I thought Squadrons had great multiplayer and we, we play it yeah. uh, probably once or twice a week and it's always really good. I feel like we're either... Yeah. We either have zero kills and just get absolutely destroyed, which is enjoyable in itself, or we end up on these teams where we're like the top, the top players and there's nothing in, in the between. We'll do like four rounds where we get like maybe one or two kills each and then we're like, oh, we'll call it a night. Oh, let's do one more. And then you'll get like 10 kills in a row. It's just yeah. like I don't know what there's no doesn't seem to be much of balancing to the um to the matchup, but I'll take it. I'll, I'll do four bad rounds for one good one. I'm happy. <laughs> it just doesn't make you feel like you've got <laughs> demonstrable, you know, skills in the game. 
more more no, flukes. Haven't improved. So uh, so what's your what's your game of the year? Well, unsurprisingly, it'll be <laughs> Animal Crossing: New Horizons. I was going to do that thing though that 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 hardcore fans of 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 things do where they just complain about something whilst they tell you that they like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I think more than any game ever, at least in my own personal experience, Animal Crossing New Horizon is like, it's the game of the year, not because of the game, but more to do with the year. And this yeah. is where I don't want to get too COVID-y, but anybody who has a Switch knows that this uh, new Animal Crossing hit at like the perfect moment for uh, you know a Western world, which is locking itself inside. So I think it came out like a week after we started the British lockdown. And during that period, it, it just presented itself as a way to connect with people. And that was really, really lovely to have, though, to be able to see each other and interact and in a way that's not necessarily like a core gaming thing. Like, we could still play Mario Kart and, and, you know, go on Star Wars Battlefront and do all that, which we were doing. But having a game which is more of a, like a, a social sandbox, which is designed for chatting and swapping items and just like relaxing, fishing together, that which is such a great like asset to have in life, where it's like yeah. you can't go out now, but you felt like you could. But then conversely, I think that as its own game, New Horizons is is somewhat of a disappointment to me personally because it doesn't hit the heights of New Leaf, the previous game on the 3DS. It doesn't even come close, really. Um, what it does well is introduce like new mechanics that allow you to have more control over your environment because in New Leaf on the 3DS it was still in that era of Animal Crossing where the town is a living entity of its own and you exist in it. You introduce yourself to it. The town is as it is. You can't design the town. You can't really choose where buildings um, get placed for the most part. So you sort of live in that world as it is and you meet the villagers and the other characters and they have their own sort of little lives that you sort of slot in alongside and complement. And that's what's good about those early Animal Crossing games that you feel like when you switch off the console, it continues Whereas the strength of New Horizon and also its weakness is that they've handed the control of the, the world over to you. Where now you can design your town, like you can just destroy loads of cliffs and move the rivers and put the houses wherever you want. And all of that sort of customization and like creativity is is really strong. But you also sort of lose the the living element. Yeah. It feels like the animals are more decoration than characters like before when you had a friendship with an animal it felt like you know if you didn't speak to them for a while that would have an impact if you spoke to them more they'd get more friendly with you you'd get better interactions whereas in new horizons it just feels like you pick or choose the ones that you think are cutest or complement your town and they sort of live there and, and they're just furniture basically i've not felt like the dialogue is especially strong in new horizons um even though they've given you all these gameplay options to sort of develop your town into this perfect little like sanctuary for yourself so it's a funny thing i think it's like a it's two sides of the same coin on the one hand animal crossing hands you like the keys to pure relaxation but as a sequel to new leaf it's not that great it's more Mm -hmm. of a sidestep in the series than a, a step forward from what new leaf gave you i think they received a lot of criticism during new leaf for people not being able to customize things for example in that game if a new villager moved into your town they could just plonk their house anywhere they wanted with no, they wouldn't ask you what you wanted at all. So you could make like a nice little park um, for your villagers to like mock play in. 
and then suddenly some new octopus turns up and just like just decimates it by putting the house <laughs> in the middle of it and ruins it and that was really frustrating for a lot of people so that's why they've they've made the changes they have in new horizons but for that reason it feels like as i say it's not a sequel to new leaf it's an alternative to it yeah and to be fair to new horizons as well because they've given you these options to customize your town as much as you want you can basically play it indefinitely there was a point in new leaf and previous animal crossings where after you would perfected your town you could argue that like other than just like destroying it and starting over there wasn't much more you could do whereas in new horizons you've got the option to customize things which means you don't really need to restart you can just restart in the world that you you have which is quite nice so yeah i think the reason it's my game of the year is because it's always been there to kind of fall back on to, you know, keep you relaxed and keep you feeling, what's the word? Social. Keep you, yeah, <laughs> keep your social life going, which is lovely. And it is a great game. So I think it's it's going to be, whenever I think back, I think when a lot of people think back to 2020, it'll be for Animal Crossing. And that's yeah. why I think it's the game of this year, because it's it captured the zeitgeist at the start of the year when it came out. And that's carried through the whole year as we've been continuing to use it to socialize. But... When I think of the Animal Crossing franchise, it's still it's not better than no. previous centuries. Do um, you? Oh, just to say, do you think you were saying about you know it's kind of got almost like uh, infinite longevity? But for you, do you see yourself playing it for more years? You know, do you see yourself in twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, still playing it, either as um, much or or at all? I suppose because I know you've put thousands of hours into previous. Well, 1,000. <laughs> yeah, but that's still a lot. Um, but, you know, into previous Animal Crossing games. I think um, it depends on what the future of the game is, really, because they've said that since it's done so well, the developers have said they want to support it for around three years, which means they've been, but when it came out, they did a lot of free updates for it. They basically mm. released it in this kind of piecemeal form, and they've been updating it as the year goes on. And I've really liked that because it feels fresh and new, like it brings you back to the game. Yeah. Also, a lot of the things they've added are new to New Horizons, but they are actually basically identical, if not pared down versions of experiences that existed in New Leaf. Like, for example, we've got the snowmen going on at the moment because it's December and it's snowy. And building snowmen is, is great, especially when you build one wrong and they tell you that you're <laughs> a terrible person. But um, in, new, in New Leaf, you could build four versions of the snow person. But in New Horizons, you can only build the snow boy so it's one fourth of the experience so it's mm. quite odd so basically what i'm saying is i can see myself playing it for a long long time but i'm hoping that those updates actually become new things i would like them yeah. to keep on doing updates um over the years i wouldn't even be adverse to some paid dlc as long as they were adding things that were actually brand new the worst thing it does is, is the multiplayer when you play online especially when I play with multiple people. Like I did some parties this year in Animal Crossing where we had eight people in, in the town at once. And you have to watch that cutscene of them arriving or leaving every single time. And, it, it, you know, Animal Crossing's online is structured in, in the exact same way it was on the original DS in, from 2005. They've not upgraded that. So it's odd. That yeah, it feels like really um, antiquated in that way so it's almost like if you're going to play it more it's not just that they need to update like how easter works or what happens in, in the summer or whatever but maybe actually fundamentally change some of those things as, as well so that um it operates a little better like quality mm. of life streamline 
it's like Animal Crossing is best when it's a complement to a, a, a richer life experience, I think. I think if you are just sat at home playing it obsessively, it's deserving of, of criticisms, there's no doubt. But sometimes they can be inflated when you're exposed to them too much. And then you can end up having an overall negative experience of a game that's actually quite magnificent and, and beautiful. Yeah. And I also think that if any anyone who knows you knows how much you love Animal Crossing... <laughs> it's, uh, it's not a secret. You know, no. You, you wear it quite proudly, in fact, with mm. pin badges yeah, like, and whatever else. Like, me literally. and my... Uh, me, myself, um, my, my fiancé, my sister and my mum, between the four of us, we put over a thousand hours into it. Um this year so for all in less than a year in less than a year I think I've played it for 460 my mum's played it for almost 350 now Um, so for all the little niggles I have which are significant change that multiplayer please Um, (laughs) it's it's still my favourite game of the year so yeah love it and it was little surprise to you I'm sure that that's why but it's kind of why I either because you know I've played it too and and it, it didn't even feature in my thoughts for a game of the year because I thought, well, it's not a very interesting discussion if I just say the same as you. Um, I wouldn't and, mind it. Ma- at all yeah, maybe you, it is an interesting discussion, but um, but yeah, and I, I I already knew that it was what you were going to pick. Um, but but to just kind of go some of what you were saying though about loving and recognizing its issues. Um, but that's what a game of the year is and a game of the year discussion is your game of the year doesn't always have to be something that you finished and is your favorite game that's ever been created Mm. it it does come back to what you've played most what you've enjoyed most you know it's 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 no bad thing that you you love animal crossing new horizons but you also have issues with many Mm. areas of it but yeah thank you for joining me for this uh, game of the year discussion no problem um I think uh, we'll put our heads together and try and think up some some more podcast topics for next year because even though we do these very intermittently, we do really, really enjoy um, having them. Um, But if you've enjoyed this discussion, you can check out Fossil Arcade on YouTube. We've got loads of gameplay videos of Alex and myself playing um, retro games. Uh, There'll be more of that planned in the new year. Um, Looking forward to getting onto the Astro City Mini and dipping into some more Star Wars arcade games. Oh, very excited. Yeah, so um, thanks for your time, Alex. No problem. Thanks to everybody who's been listening, and we'll see you around. Bye. Bye.